Well, hey guys, good morning. Man, good morning. Gosh, you guys, uh, you're not starting off slow today, are you? Good morning. You sound like a call. That's a lot better. That's a lot better. Um, hey, Rocky River Church, welcome. It's great to see you guys. Hope that you had a, a wonderful Thanksgiving. So glad that you're here today. If, uh, if you're a first-time guest with us, my name is Jimmy Britt. I'm the lead pastor. And on behalf of all of our regulars and our members, our staff, and our lead team, welcome. We're really glad that you're here. If you have your Bible with you, open it up or turn it on and go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7 this morning. And then if you'll find your bulletin, reach inside, take out your message notes, and we'll dive in today. It's good to see you. Good morning. Did uh, Donnie Bragg, Greg, on uh, the Thanksgiving dinner that we had here on Thursday, even if he did, I want to say just a little bit more about it. Man, it was uh, a, a great day. It was led by uh, volunteers, and uh, they put everything together. And uh, I think on Wednesday night, there were about 40, maybe, maybe 50 people who came up and got everything set up to, uh, to feed people on Thanksgiving Day. And uh, I understand there were a little better than maybe 100 people, many of them our own people, and a few people from the community who came up. And we had prepared to feed 300 people. And uh, so we had a lot of food that was left over. Well, it turned out there's another group in our community, the Hellfighters, that work out of West Concord Baptist. And uh, whoever was going to be preparing their food had to back out. And uh, so they were looking for food. And so our volunteers packed everything up on Thursday. And uh, I think today, is it today, Glenn, that they're going to be feeding people? Next Sunday, they're going to be feeding maybe a couple hundred people, something like that. Anyway, we prepared to feed 300 people. We didn't feed them all here in our lobby, but we'll be feeding the rest of them next week. So feed them here, feed them there in the name of Jesus. It all happens in the name of Jesus. And so it was great. Greg, Debbie, Jason, everybody. I always get in trouble when I start naming names, but fantastic job. So proud of um, of that ministry. Well, today we're kicking off our Christmas series that's called Unwrapping the Christmas Classics. And uh, we're going to be looking at some of the stories that I grew up with, stories like Frosty the Snowman, The Grinch, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and, uh, and Charlie Brown. How, how many of you grew up watching these programs? Man, I did too. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, these stories have a biblical theme. And so for the month of December in this series, we're going to be looking at some of the major themes that are out of these stories, but we're going to be talking about these themes from the Bible. And uh, so here's what I, I hope is going to happen with the whole series. At least it's my goal. During the season, as we look to scriptures to talk about the Christmas story, I hope that we rediscover what Christmas is all about. And uh, that that finally happens in our lives. Because, you know, the truth is, most of us talk about this every single year. You know, this is the year that we're going to get it right. This is the year that we're going to really discover what Christmas is all about. This is the year that, that we're going to we're gonna really live out the spirit of Christmas. And then Christmas comes and goes, and we think, man, you know, 
it, it was a good Christmas, but we still missed it somehow. Well, this year, I hope that you get it. I hope that we all get what Christmas is really about. And today, I'm going to try to get us started in the right direction with giving a message called How to Keep Your Cool This Christmas. I love Christmas. How many of you love Christmas? I love Christmas. I mean, without a doubt, it's my favorite time of the year. But as much as I love Christmas, there's kind of a, a dread that comes with it too, isn't there? I mean, no matter how much you love Christmas, there's a little bit of dread because of all of the stuff that comes along with it. Because Christmas is such a busy time of the year, and there are just lots and lots of things that are just piled on top of it that make it so stressful. So whether you love Christmas or not, and it's just a busy, stressful time of the year. For example, there are financial pressures on Christmas, aren't there? I mean, that, that's the pressure that most of us really worry about. There are financial pressures. And unfortunately, Christmas has become more about the gifts that we buy and how much we spend on those gifts and even what we receive than what Christmas is really all about. I'll give you an example. How many of you are Black Friday shoppers? Raise your hand. See, we, we know who's lying because those of you who are the real Black Friday shoppers, you're the one that have the little scars and cuts in your forehead. You're the ones who are, are, are all wrapped up. Like, like Cricket in the back, you know, she's walking around today with the sling on. Now, the story is she fell walking down the steps at her mama's house, but I'm betting that that is a Black Friday kind of thing. And Cricket, she's... You're not left-handed, but you give a pretty mean left hook, and anyway. I'm not a Black Friday shopper. I'm more of a Cyber Monday kind of guy, and uh, so that's just right around the corner, so I'll have carpal tunnel syndrome at the end of the day on Monday. At least my kids, uh, my family hope I will, uh, but I'm not big on Black Friday. Now, this past week for, for Thanksgiving, me and Karen and, and the kids were visiting my folks down at Myrtle Beach. And uh, on, on uh, Black Friday, my mom and Karen and the kids went out to do some Christmas shopping. My dad had some work to get done, so I just kind of had the morning to knock around myself a little bit. And I was going through some of the sales papers, and Belk happened to offer um, Izod sweaters. And I, I really like Izod sweaters. And they were offering them for $15 each. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to put on my patient's hat, and I'm going to head down to the mall. I ended up at Grand Strand Mall at Belks. And uh, I gave myself a pep talk going in. You know, we're not going to be impatient. We already know there are going to be lots of lines. People are not necessarily going to be nice. Jimmy, you're going to say Merry Christmas to as many people as you possibly can. We're, this is going to be good. This is going to be a good experience. And for the most part, it, it was. Um, and I got into line because I picked out a couple of sweaters that I wanted, and I was waiting in line. There are four different cashiers. Everyone's busy. There were maybe 15 people in my line. I'm pretty good at sizing up a queue. You know what I mean? Like figuring out which line is going to go quicker. Sometimes I'll just stand back and kind of scan the customers and how many items do they have. Anyway, I've got my own way of doing this thing. It works out well in my ADHD mind. And uh, so I, I'm in line, and uh, there, were, there were two ladies in front of me. 
And one lady looked like she might have been in her early, mid-80s. And the other lady looked like she was probably her daughter, maybe her early, mid-60s. And uh, they had quite a few items. But again, I'd already deduced that this is probably my best bet. And uh, it was interesting hearing the conversation between them because mom was really struggling with some of the concepts here about being in the queue and how we're going to pay for this and how much everything's going to cost. Well, again, there were big discounts on everything, but the lady got up and her bill was like $400. And the daughter was explaining what a great deal that was. And really, if you kind of look at everything she had and all the discounts, it was a pretty good deal. But this lady began to explain to the cashier about everything that $400 would buy when she was, say, 10 years old. (laughs) And then when she was 15. And that was like a decade worth of movies and popcorn and sodas if she went to the movie Every weekend for a decade. I mean, literally, she had this math rolling in her mind. And uh, her first two cars together didn't cost $400. And the first home she ever owned was only $3,000. And it just went on and on. And it was kind of, you know, humorous. Well, Well, then the cashier started talking about gift receipts. Also a brand new concept to mom. And finally, her daughter was just at her wit's end over it all. And she said, listen, the receipts are so that if people don't like this garbage, they can return it. But you've done your obligation. You've bought the stuff. They've got something to open. Now they've got the gift receipts if they want to bring it back. But we're done with it. And I thought, that's what's wrong with Christmas. Right there. I've got to buy you something. And I've done my obligation. If you like it, great. If you don't, here's the darn receipt and you can take it back. But I'm done with it. That's financial pressure. And then there are other costs that come with Christmas. You know, like the food and decorations and travel. And then there are pressures of time. Because, man, when Christmas rolls around, we've got so much to do. There are parties that we have to be at, you know, some we want to go to, some that we might not want to go to, but we spend a lot of time just running around. And then there are relationship pressures, aren't there? I mean, because truth be known, all of us are going to spend some time on Christmas with someone or someones, (laughs) maybe multiple people here, that we work really hard to stay away from for 364 days. But on Christmas Day, we've just got to be stuck with them for a little while. And this mother-in-law that you have to spend time with and your cooking's not as good as hers or this brother-in-law that you just want to strangle and just relationship pressures. And you might think that... Stress and pressure is a modern thing on Christmas, but it's not. The pressures have been 
on Christmas since the very first Christmas. Let me read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and then we'll talk about it. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, which means the house of bread, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths or clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. So right here in these verses, you see a lot of the pressures that we deal with at Christmas, like the financial pressures. When Luke says that Joseph and his betrothed wife, or his wife-to-be, his promised wife, his fiancée, were going to Bethlehem to register for the census, that means that they were going to register for taxes. About the time that Jesus was born, the Romans were really starting to dig their fingers into this area of Judea that they later rename Palestine, and they're really kind of getting their fingers into it, and they're already taxing people, but now they want to have a census where everybody goes into his hometown, and they register for the taxing that's going to be coming, because what the Romans would do is they would build roads, they were about building cities, they were about building armies and an empire, and they didn't do that with their own money, they did that with your money. And so they're trying to tax the people. And so there's this pressure that comes with it because they they don't know what's going to be taxed. They don't know how much is going to be taken. They know what they're already paying in taxes, but they know that more taxation is coming. And so with that first Christmas, there were pressures. There were financial pressures. And then there were relationship pressures too. I mean, have you ever thought about what it would have been like for Mary when she went home and said, mom and dad, guess what? I have great news. I'm pregnant, but don't worry, God is the Father. It's not that I've been having sex outside of marriage. It's that the Holy Spirit has put God's Son, God himself, inside of me. I mean, that's a pretty hard sell. And then imagine if you are Joseph, And now you're trying to explain to your family, your friends, your buddies, that the girl you're about to marry is pregnant, and it's not your baby. Now, now in our day and time, that might not be such a big deal. In fact, it might even be admirable, but not in first century Judea. And even if the family and friends, even if they were supportive publicly, you know that in private, they're saying, what kind of idiot is Joseph. I mean, who is really buying this story? So, man, I'm telling you, there are pressures here. There are relationship pressures. And then there were the pressures of time and travel, just like we have with giving our time and travel. As these guys went to Bethlehem, it was about a a 90-mile journey 
to Bethlehem, and it was mostly walking for Joseph and Mary, who is pregnant. Ladies, can you imagine this? I mean, she is about to deliver, and she's making the 90-mile journey on the back of a donkey. And then when they get to Bethlehem, there's nowhere for them to stay. And so she delivers baby Jesus in a stable, probably more like a cave, surrounded by animals. I mean, it, it, there's pressure. It's hectic. Right off the bat with that very first Christmas. Now, here's the difference. Their circumstances were somewhat different than ours. Because our circumstances of money pressure and time pressure and those sorts of things, they're self-imposed. I mean, we are the ones that create the Christmas overload in our lives. And let me tell you what the root of it is. Here's the root of our Christmas overload. And what threatens to cause a meltdown in our lives every Christmas season, and if things don't change, it'll be true this Christmas season, it is that we try to do too much. Just let that sink in a minute. We try to do too much. We try to do everything at the Christmas season rather than focusing on the things that matter the most. I want you to listen to this verse, Psalm 39, 4. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. This is a prayer asking God to remind us how short life is and that we need to be focused on the things that are really important. But unfortunately, like for Frosty, his theme song is thumpity thump thump, thumpity thump thump, look at Frosty go. But for us, it's going to be thumpity thump thump, thumpity thump thump, look at us go. Running a hundred miles an hour with our hair on fire, but man, we're just going to celebrate Christmas and then at the end of it all, you lay in bed thinking, my God, we missed it again. But boy, we did a lot of stuff. We did a lot of things. But it doesn't have to be that way. Did you hear me? It doesn't have to be this way. Karen, it doesn't have to be this way. <laughs> I'm preaching this to you and me. Annie, James, it does not have to be this way. And the key to avoiding the meltdown at Christmas is to focus our lives on the things that really matter. We can't do everything. We can't buy everything. We can't go everywhere. So instead of trying to do it all, let's just learn how to focus on the things that matter the most. Frosty had to hurry on his way. He's trying to get to the North Pole because he's melting down. But you and me... We don't have to be in such a hurried pace. We don't have to run so hard and so fast. We don't have to keep this crazy holiday schedule. So how about we give it up and learn to focus on what matters the most? If you ever notes out, let me give you three truths from the Bible to help us keep it cool this Christmas. Keep from melting down. Here's the truth, number one. In learning how to focus on what matters most, I have to know that the greatest use 
of life is love. It's love. Sounds kind of cheesy, doesn't it? Sounds a little bit like a Hallmark greeting card, Christmas card. But it's really the truth of the Bible. And it's not cheesy at all. There would be no Christ. There would be no Christmas season. If it were not for the love of God. And you can see that in maybe what's become the simplest verse of Scripture, yet maybe the most profound. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The whole reason for Christmas begins with God giving us the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the perfect gift and the greatest expression of His love. Listen, God gave us Himself. He gave us Himself. And because God was willing to give Himself and make this great sacrifice for us, He has every right to tell us that the greatest use of our life is to love other people. Look in your notes at 1 Corinthians 13, 3. It says, if I give everything I own to the poor, listen, because that's a good thing, isn't it? But if I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. In our community, in Harrisburg, in Concord, in Matthews, in Kannapolis, in the Charlotte metro area, there are a lot of bankrupt people. And they may live in nice homes, they might have nice cars, they might wear nice clothes, but they're bankrupt because there's no love there in the home. They don't love each other. And and you want to know how to recognize this? Just listen. Next time you're at the stoplight and it turns green. God forbid everybody don't make a, a, a jackrabbit launch from the light. Because if you don't, you're going to get the horn. You're going to get the dirty looks and the one finger waves. If you, if you want to, to find this, if you, if you want to see just how bankrupt we are, say excuse me in the grocery store aisle. Try passing someone in between the clothing aisles in coals. Maybe you get a grunt. Maybe you get a look like you're stupid or just nothing at all. And I don't think this is because people are bad. I think it's because people are busy. And most of us are busy doing the wrong things. What we should be busy doing is loving each other. My favorite Christmas story, except for the original Christmas story, which is the birth of Christ, is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. I love it, especially the one with George C. Scott. I mean, if you're not going to read the book, watch that one. And then I think Jim Carrey 
is, you know, that animated one. That's a pretty good one, too. But there's a great exchange of conversation early in the book where Scrooge is in his room warming up some porridge and the ghost of his business partner, who's been dead 10 years that very night, slips into the room and they have this conversation. Now, Jacob Marley's ghost, he's frustrated with Scrooge because at first Scrooge doesn't want to believe that he's a ghost. And so he pushes back on him. But after he gets a yell and a scream and he sees that this apparition is not just his imagination, but it's really of grave and not gravy, now Scrooge is a little bit nervous. And so Scrooge tries to suck up to him a little bit and he says, ah, Marley, you always were a good businessman. And Marley's ghost says back to him with great agony and suffering, business, mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. What does that mean? It means I wasted my life on the wrong things. My purpose, my business as a human being was to love other people and I didn't do it. But I've come to warn you, Ebenezer, that if you don't change, you will waste your life too on the wrong things. Look at me because I want you to get this. I want to make sure that I just drill this into your mind. Not everything in your life that is urgent is important. But because it's urgent, it just squeals the loudest. It begs you for your time. It begs you for your attention. It begs you for your life. So this Christmas season, set a new pattern in your life where you push out the things that don't matter so that you can do the things that do matter. Love your family. Love your friends. Love your neighbors. Love the people that don't deserve your love. That's the point of life. It's love. Then here's truth number two. The best expression of love is time. The way you spell love is T-I-M-E. Here's another little reminder from Frosty. And I wish I could sing, but I totally cannot. So I'm not even going to try to sing. But do you remember when Frosty is kind of bumping along early in the, in the show? And they're singing the song. And there's a line that goes, And he only paused a moment when he heard him, the police officer, holler, stop. You see, we, we don't like to slow down, let alone stop. But if you're going to focus on the things in life that really matter and push out the things that, that don't, you're going to have to stop some things and start some other things. Look in the 
in your notes at the next verse, 1 John 3.18. It says, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Because we can say anything, can't we? I mean, you can say that you love your family. You, you can say that you love God. You can say that you love your friends. You can say that you love others. But our words are empty if they're not backed up by actions. And the best action that you can take is to take some time out for the people in your life that matter the most. You know why gift giving and receiving has become so important in our culture? It's because many of the Christmas gifts we buy are guilt gifts. We give gifts the way we do because many of us are trying to make up for all of the lost time that we've missed out on with our family during the rest of the year. But folks, I'm gonna tell you, mom and dad, I'm gonna tell you what your kids want the most from you is not your presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. They want your presence. They want you to be there. And if you'll listen, you can hear that. You can hear your kids. You can hear the people in your life saying, I just want to sit with you. I want to sit with you and have a conversation where there are no cell phones. Do you remember that? Do you remember when we could just sit around as a family and talk without a cell phone? Now families sit around at the dinner table. I've seen them do this at restaurants where they're texting other people. And I'm thinking, that must be the most boring thing. There are four people sitting there at that table and all of them texting. I wonder if they're texting each other. (laughs) I mean, that would be a little bit better, but probably not. They're checking emails. They've got other important things to do. But if you'll listen to the people in your life, they're saying, listen, I just want some of your undivided attention. And so the teenagers that are in the room, let me tell you what your mom and dad want from you for Christmas. They got all the crappy ties they need. I think I I just said crappy in church. I apologize. A little carried away. You know, they don't need another scarf. What they want for you to do is take your cell phone and put it away for a little while. Give some undivided attention to them. That's what all the people in your, want, in your life want. They want to look in your eyes. They, they want to see you looking back at them. Like you're really there. Like you're listening to them. And they want to listen to you. Jesus taught us with his life that the essence of a relationship is how much we give of ourselves to others. That's what a relationship is all about. And men, I know what some of you are thinking because I I think the same thing myself every now and again. You know, I I earn a paycheck. I, I bring it home. We've got a roof over our head. There's food to eat. Everybody's got clothes on. What else do they want? You. You. They want you. Because nothing can take the place of you and your time, you and your attention. Not a house, not clothes, not a new video game, nothing. People want you. 
So this Christmas, give people the gift of yourself. And then here's the third key truth. The best time to love is right now. The best time to love the people in your life is right now. Don't wait to start loving on the people in your life. Love them right now. Love them today. Love them this Christmas. Don't put it off until next Christmas. Don't wait for things to settle down. I hate that. If you've got to wait for things to settle down in your life so that you can love the people in your life, you're too busy. You don't need a to-do list. You need a to-stop-doing list. Don't wait until you're in a a better place in life. Don't wait for another day because who are we kidding? If we wait for these things to happen, it's never going to happen. Nothing wrong with making long-range plans. That's a good thing. But you don't know how long long range is for you or mom or dad or your brother, your sister, your best friend. You just don't know. So love on people right now. Take every opportunity to love the people in your life right now. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, whenever you have the opportunity, you should uh, do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. How many of you know who George McGovern is? Maybe you were alive when George McGovern was a presidential candidate, or maybe you're just old enough to remember when they taught history in school. And so you heard about George McGovern that way. A little bit of sarcasm there at school. Okay, just want to make sure you're picking up on it. He wrote a book about his daughter, Terry, who died of alcoholism. She was found frozen to death in a snowbank after she had fallen drunk one night. After she died, McGovern and his wife poured over her diaries and talked to all of her friends, trying to figure out what she was thinking. And what McGovern discovered is that he was not as good a father as he thought he had been. Because while he was spending 18-hour days fighting for political causes, his daughter Terry was at home writing in her, in her diary that she missed her daddy, but he probably didn't miss her because he didn't really care about her. And so McGovern gave this advice to parents. Show more love to your kids by spending time with them, especially during the adolescent years. No matter what it costs your career, that way neither of you have any regrets He also wrote, I'd give anything I have, and I mean anything. No, 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 no. I'd give everything I have for just one more afternoon with Terry. Just to tell her how much I love her and to have one more of those happy times that we used to have all too infrequently. That's a sad, that's a sad, sad thing to have to advise parents on, isn't it? But his regrets will be yours if you don't make time for the things that are most important. 
you give your life to other things, things other than what's really important. It's not a matter of if, but when. You're going to regret the overloaded, stressed out life that you're living right now. And what is it going to take for that to happen? I mean, are you going to wake up once your family's already fallen apart? Is it going to take some tragedy in your life? Is it going to be that you wake up one day and you realize you don't have any friends because you don't spend any time with them? The Bible says now is the time to love on the people in your life that you care about. So let me ask you right now, who is starving for your love? Who's starving for your attention? And what's keeping you from loving the people in your life? Is it your pride? Come on, man. Is it a a crazy schedule? Because you're trying to impress people that don't like you and you don't even like them? What do you need to cut out of your life? And not even what, but who? What needs to be cut out of your life so that you can really focus on the important things? You know, you know just like I know. So stop talking about it and do it. I will if you will. Well, I'm going to anyway, whether you do or not. But let's do it together. Frosty knew that his time was short. So he decided to make the most out of it. Your time is short too. If you don't believe that time is short, just talk to an 80-year-old person. And it seems like for them that just a decade ago, they were 25. Even if you live to be 100 and have good years, that's not a lot of time. So make the most out of your time. And give it to loving people, and then there won't be regrets. One last verse for today. It's 1 John 3.16. The Bible says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. This Christmas, don't let the urgent, unimportant things steal your joy and stress you out. Remember that the highest priority of your life is to love. And the best way to love people, the best expression of your love is to give them time. And the time to do it is right now. That's the example that Jesus gives us with his own life. And that may be the most important thing for us to remember this year at Christmas. Let's pray together.
Father, I'm not foolish enough to think that um, you only started to speak to people when they came in here this morning and I began to preach to them. I'm quite sure that most of the people that heard today's message, you've been talking to them for a while. So they already have these things on their heart. They're already thinking about them. Lord, for the next few minutes, as our worship team sings this song about love, I pray that we would just give you a few minutes to work in our lives and, and listen to you speak and, and overcome some of the obstacles of love. Like, there are some parents here that I'm sure, whether they're sitting in this room right now or they're listening to this message on our podcast they're, they're thinking, man, I blew it with my kids. Now my kids are not even at home. They're grown. They have lives of their own. What do I do about that? Well, it's never too late to start loving. So overcome that obstacle in their mind. And then, Lord, there are others here who are struggling with this message because when they think about loving their spouse, they think that's impossible because they gave up on that love a long time ago. Maybe they still live in the same house, but mostly as roommates. I pray that for the next few minutes, you would help them to understand that there is a love that crosses the greatest divides. And then, God, there are others here. Their struggle with love is that they, they can't think about giving out love because they've never experienced it. They've never experienced the love that you have to offer, and they don't even think they're worth loving. But the truth is that you love us no matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter how long we've been doing it, and no matter what's been done to us. And so no person can outrun the reaches of your love. And so God, again, during the next few minutes, help break down the barriers that keep us from loving others, but also experiencing your love. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.